Father, thank you for this time that we have to come and study your word this evening. Thank you, Lord, for your watch care over us in this past week. And Lord, as we're about to open the Bible, please open our hearts and minds to receive the blessing that you have in store for us, that we might be receptive, that your truth might be written upon our hearts. Lead us and guide us, O Lord, is our earnest plea and prayer. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Good evening, friends. As we continue our study in the wilderness wanderings this evening, we are going to be looking at the 70 elders. So if you read the first 10 chapters of the book of Numbers, it is still very much related to the organization of the children of Israel as a nation and the setting up of the tabernacle and the sanctuary. And at this point, the children of Israel have camped at the base of Mount Sinai where they received the Ten Commandments, now for almost a year. And so now we read in Numbers chapter 9, verses 1 and 2, the Bible says this, And the Lord spake unto Moses in the wilderness of Sinai, in the first month of the second year, after they were come out of the land of Egypt, saying, Let the children of Israel also keep the Passover at his appointed season. And so they had gotten comfortable being there, but nevertheless, it was time to pack up and to move on, to continue to make their way towards Canaan. And so we continue reading in Numbers chapter 10 and verses 33 to 36. And they departed from the mount of the Lord three days' journey, and the ark of the covenant of the Lord went before them in the three days' journey to search out a resting place for them. And the cloud of the Lord was upon them by day when they went out of the camp. And it came to pass when the ark set forward that Moses said, Rise up, Lord, and let thine enemies be scattered, and let them that hate thee flee before thee. And when it rested, he said, Return, O Lord, unto the many thousands of Israel. So off the children of Israel went, and Moses with them, and the new ark of the covenant with them as well. The cloud above them ensuring God's presence also was with them. You know, wouldn't it be nice if we always made sure that God was with us before we left our houses, before we left our rooms for different activities and duties for each and every day, and that we would have this confidence and assurance that knowing God would fight for us, that his enemies would be scattered, and that whatever came our way, truly, it was God that allowed it to come upon us. And so they move forward. And what happened as they began to move forward again? Let's continue reading in Numbers chapter 11 and now verse 1. And when the people complained, it displeased the Lord and the Lord heard it. And his anger was kindled and the fire of the Lord burnt among them and consumed them that were in the uttermost parts of the camp. You know, they hadn't gotten very far. And guess what? old habits began to surface again. They began to complain. You know, this time we don't know the reason for their complaint so far as what we see in this verse at least. But God did not just stand by patiently this time. In the very same verse, what does God do as soon as they start to complain? The Bible said that he sent forth fire and it burnt them up. It killed them. It destroyed them. The complaining this time had eternal consequences. They were punished right away. You see, when they first complained at the Red Sea, when, when Pharaoh came with his armies chasing after them, God 
opened the sea for them. And then they got to that place where the bitter water was. And they began to complain again. God turned the water into drinkable, fresh water. And then when they complained about no food, God, he gave them quail and manna to eat every single day. You see, every single time the children of Israel had complained, God had seemingly provided for them. But it got to this point where maybe they thought that they were right to have this spirit, that it was okay when something wasn't right, that it was okay for them to complain just simply because they weren't happy or things weren't so comfortable or things weren't going their way. However, God was patient, you see, with them at the very beginning. Because why? They didn't know better. And it seemed like their complaining had caught up to them and they had received enough chances now. And so in Numbers chapter 11, God sends out fire to burn them up, to consume them, to destroy them. Moses had warned them about this complaining. You're, you got to remember, right? He said, when you complain against me, you're not complaining against me. You are complaining against God. Be very careful. He would warn them. He would counsel them. He would tell them, your complaining is not acceptable. But now it got to this point where God would take the matter into their own hands. And you know, friends, I think we need to be careful with constant complaining as well. We can go too far. We can wear out God's patience. In his infinite wisdom, he deals with us patiently and lovingly. But we can get to a point that what we're doing is not in the right spirit. It is not justifiable anymore. It is totally unreasonable. At the very beginning, God bears with us. He's patient with us because we don't know any better. But as he opens the way in providence for us to, to, to be satisfied in our foods, our wants, our needs, and even our desires, we see that there's no reason for complaining. And so now the Israelites have reached this point where God says, you've received enough chances. It's very clear. This complaining is not correct. And so he takes this stronger form of discipline and judgment upon the children of Israel. However, God is still merciful. Let's keep reading, shall we? Numbers chapter 11, verses 2 and 3. And the people cried unto Moses. And when Moses prayed unto the Lord, the fire was quenched. And he called the name of the place Tabibra, because the fire of the Lord burnt among them. You see, as soon as they cry out to Moses, and Moses prays to God, guess what? The fire is stopped. It gives them this contrast with what they can do with their mouths. Instead of complaining, they can learn to pray. Or at least they can learn to bring their burdens and their complaints to God in prayer, rather than just doing it openly and letting it affect everyone else around them. Yes, friends, I am speaking to the complainers out there. We think that sometimes, oh, I'm not complaining, I'm just checking facts, or I just want to make sure of this or that. But you know, friends, we got to be so careful with a murmuring spirit. God does not like complainers. He doesn't like complaining. He likes people that will be solutions to the problems and not just simply complain about the problem with no apparent solution at all. You see, this is nothing new. We've seen this in the past with the Israelites and even with Moses. 
Israelites would complain. They would come to Moses. That they would get even ready to stone him. Moses cries out to God. God gives them the solution. But have the Israelites really learnt their lesson? Have they learnt enough now that complaining is not justifiable? Let's keep reading, shall we? Numbers chapter 11, verses 4 to 9. Look at this. And the mixed multitude that was among them fell a lusting. And the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who shall give us flesh to eat? We remember the fish which we did eat in Egypt freely, the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. But now our soul is dried away. There is nothing at all beside this manna before our eyes. And the manna was as coriander seed, and the color thereof as the color of bdellium. And the people went about and gathered it and ground it at mills, or beat it in a mortar and baked it in pans, and made cakes of it, and the taste of it was as a taste of fresh oil. And when the dew fell upon the camp in the night, the manna fell upon it. You know, friends, as soon as that fire had stopped burning, as soon as the judgment of God had stopped what happens? They begin to weep. We're told that this was not just any normal weeping, like someone is sick or dying. They're mourning over their food. Can you believe it? They missed the food that was in Egypt. The flesh to eat, they say. The fish, and then the cucumbers, and the melons, and the leeks, and the onions, and the garlic, and all of these types of spices that just made the food more tasty. They weren't satisfied with the manna that God had given to them so freely from heaven. They were tired and ungrateful of eating the same thing every day. And so they began to complain again. They weren't happy. They weren't grateful for this miracle food sent from heaven. And you know, friends, when you read about this manna, you know, they could do so many things with it. They could mill it and grind it up into fine flour. They could beat it in the mortar. They could bake it and make it into cakes. They could even, they could even like boil it and, and do things with it. It sounded like wheat. You know, all this, all this beautiful food without the, the process of getting the wheat. They didn't have to harvest it. They just had to pick it up. It was so easy. They didn't have to separate from the kernel and grind it and make it fine. No, it was just right there, ready for them to do something with it. They could probably just pick it up and eat it as well right there on the spot. But you know, they were displeased. <clears throat> they weren't content. Complaining again, but with more visible unhappiness. They were weeping away. They were crying, crying for their food. You know, this reminds me of little kids, right? They're spoiled, or maybe they just haven't grown up enough to, to know that, hey, um, you shouldn't be crying when, when it's time to eat and you're hungry. No, just wait and be patient. But little, little, little kids, of course, little babies, when they're hungry, they will cry. These Israelites, they're no longer babes anymore. God has been guiding them. He's been with them. They've been just camped at um, the Mount, of, Mount Sinai, the base there, for over a year already. And yet, they're still acting like little children. However, there seems to be a particular group that was responsible for all this complaining. Do you remember who it was? The Bible points it out. It was the mixed multitude. That's what we read in verse 4. Now friends, who is the mixed multitude? 
Who are the mixed multitude? Let's go and have a look at a few texts. Exodus chapter 12 and verse 38. The Bible says, And a mixed multitude went up also with them, and flocks and herd, even very much cattle. When the children of Israel came out of Egypt, it wasn't just the Israelites that went out themselves. There were some that came along with them who were Egyptian or from other races. Why did they go with them? Well, they looked back and saw what the ten plagues had done to Egypt. The land was ravaged. It was laid low. There was not much left alive. All the crops had been destroyed. Big um, stones had hit the hit buildings, and there was Egypt was just a sight to behold. There was nothing left to stay back for. The country had pretty much been destroyed. And so the best decision for survival in their minds, probably, was to follow the children of Israel. You see, this group didn't leave or join themselves to the Israelites because they loved God and worshipped that true God and believed in Him and had faith in Him. No, their motive was what? Self-preservation. It was prompted by selfish desires for their own lives. And so we begin to understand why they would complain as, as soon as there was no water, as soon as there was no food, we can see that the complaining, it began with them and it was very contagious. It affected the camp each time in a very short amount of time. And so when we come back to the story, we see there that this, this mixed multitude was the one that was responsible for all this influence of complaining and complaining. And now the mixed multitude has gotten the whole camp of Israel to complain about the food. They're upset about, not there's no food this time, they're upset about the manna, the fact that manna exists and it wasn't good enough for them. But how does Moses respond? What does he say? Numbers 11, 10 to 15. Then Moses heard the people weep throughout their families, every man in the door of his tent. And the anger of the Lord was kindled greatly. Moses also was displeased. And Moses said unto the Lord, Wherefore hast thou afflicted thy servant? And wherefore have I not found favor in thy sight, that thou layest the burden of all this people upon me? Have I conceived all this people? Have I begotten them that thou shouldest say unto me, Carry them in thy bosom as a nursing father, beareth a suckling child unto the land which thou swearest unto their fathers? Whence should I have flesh to give unto all this people? For they weep unto me, saying, Give us flesh that we may eat. I'm not able to bear all this people alone, because it is too heavy for me. And if thou deal thus with me, kill me, I pray thee, out of hand, if I have found favor in thy sight, and let me not see my wretchedness. You know, God was unhappy to see the children of Israel like this. Moses was also unhappy to see them continually like this. He had had enough to the point that he told God, if God did not send help, then he asked God to kill him. You know how different it was when Moses was interceding for the children of Israel when they had sinned a great sin and Moses said to God, God, if you're not going to pardon them and forgive them, then blot me out of the book of life. I'd rather be not in heaven. He was willing to die then, but for the right reason. But now he's just had enough. He's tired. The complaining has reached his limits. But you see, friends, in this instance, he went too far. 
Had he turned to God for help as he always did, not only would God have worked for him in times past, like he did in time past, he would have given Moses the strength to carry on with the burden that he had given him to bear. He himself said to God, this is too heavy for me. He doubted God, that God had made the right decision, that God had put him in the right position to lead the children of Israel and that whoever was there could handle the leadership responsibilities. You see, God, he had helped him at the Red Sea. He had helped him when when the children of Israel complained about the bitter water. He had helped him when there was no food to eat and when they ran out of water. God had helped Moses at every step, but in this instance, he forgot all that God had done for him and he went too far and he said, God, if you're not going to send me help, then just kill me. Just kill me. How does God respond? What does God do? Numbers 11, 16 to 17. And the Lord said unto Moses, Gather unto me seventy men of the elders of Israel, whom thou knowest to be the elders of the people and officers over them, and bring them unto the tabernacle of the congregation, that they may stand there with thee. And I will come down and talk with thee there, and I will take of the Spirit which is upon thee, and will put it upon them, and they shall bear the burden of the people with thee, that thou bear it not thyself alone. What does God ask Moses to do? He asked him to choose 70 men from the children of Israel, and he would take some of the Spirit that was upon Moses, and he would give it to these 70, so that he would not bear the burden of leadership all alone. But not just that. What else does God do? Let's keep reading. Verses 18 to 20 of Numbers 11. And say thou unto the people, Sanctify yourself against tomorrow, and you shall eat flesh. For ye have wept in the ears of the Lord, saying, Who shall give us flesh to eat? For it was well with us in Egypt. Therefore the Lord will give you flesh, and ye shall eat. Ye shall not eat only one day, nor two days, nor five days, neither ten days, nor twenty days, but even a whole month, until it come out at your nostrils. And it be loathsome unto you, because ye have despised the Lord which is among you, and have wept before him, saying, Why came we forth out of Egypt? What does God do? He gives them a promise that he would provide meat for them to eat, and he would give them so much meat that it would come out of their nostrils. Why? Why would God provide something for them that was not good for them? You see, it was because that they were the ones that were requesting for it. He had to stand back and allow them to suffer the consequences of their own foolish decision. You know, sometimes when we hold things back from our children, so many times without realizing um, how, for them how hurtful it is to them personally, they don't appreciate the restraint or even the provision. And so God had to do this to let them suffer the consequences of their own desires and their own decisions. But you see, friends, there's a second reason also why God did this. Let's keep reading. Numbers 11, 21 to 23. And Moses said, among the, the people among whom I am are 600,000 footmen. And thou hast said, I will give them flesh that they may eat a whole month 
Shall the flocks and the herds be slain for them to suffice them? Or shall all the fish of the sea be gathered together for them to suffice them? And the Lord said unto Moses, Is the Lord's hand waxed short? Thou shalt see now whether my word shall come to pass unto thee or not. You know, Moses was even shocked. Not, he wasn't shocked that God was going to give them something unhealthy to eat. He was shocked because it's like, God, manna, okay, I can understand. That's just heaven's food. But how are you going to give them this meat? Where are you going to get all this food to supply for everybody? Where would you get enough food to feed 600,000 men besides women and children? Basically, what was happening? He began to doubt God. How could God feed all these people, these millions of people? And God reminds Moses that he was more than able to do what he said he would do. You see, the problem is Moses' faith had grown weak. He forgot what God had done in the in the land of Egypt with the 10 plagues. He forgot about the Red Sea. He forgot about the healing of the water and the raining down of manna every day. Moses had allowed the complaining of the people to give him temporary amnesia, forgetfulness about all that God had done for them. His faith faltered in the midst of all the issues that kept arising. Now look, Moses did not sin, but he allowed doubt to creep in to the point that he asked the Lord to kill him. And he told him, God, I can't stand it. I can't do this. So, you know, when, when God said and gave the promise, I'll provide all this food for, for you all and you'll eat for a month until all the meat come out of your nostrils, it wasn't just to feed them, but it was to prove again to Moses that he was more than able to do what his word said he would do to take care of them, to sustain them. And he was more than able to sustain Moses as well if he would not have complained about being in leadership. It seemed like Moses was instrumental in the other times where God had been um, for them, for the children of Israel. But this time, now God is not just trying to deal with the Israelites. He's trying to deal with the leader of the Israelites. They've forgotten the 10 plagues. Yes, Moses was instrumental. He was constantly talking to Pharaoh and giving instruction to the children of Israel. In the parting of the Red Sea, Moses was the one that held up the rod, the bit of water. Moses was the one that threw in the plant to heal it. And the water, when there was none, Moses was the one that struck the rock and water came gushing out. And when there was no food, Moses was the one that prayed to God and he was the one that rained down manna. But this time, even though he had been so instrumental in all these times, God now, he's giving food to also prove to Moses that it was nothing to do with him. That's not the reason why all these miracles were worked, but it was everything to do with God. God did not need Moses in order for all these miracles to be performed. He was about to perform a miracle without the help of Moses and even though Moses was in doubt about it. And so, what happens? Numbers 11, 24 and 25. And Moses went out and told the people the words of the Lord and gathered the 70 men of the elders of the people and set them round about the tabernacle. And the Lord came down in a cloud and spake unto them and took of the spirit that was upon him and gave it unto the 70 elders. And it came to pass that when the spirit rested upon them, they prophesied and did not cease. 
So Moses, he gathers the 70 elders out of the children of Israel. And God takes the spirit that's upon Moses and he places it upon the 70 elders. And the, the sign that they, re, they, they, they have that they've received the spirit of God is that they began to prophesy. It becomes obvious to everybody that's watching that God's spirit is upon them. And this was done in public in front of all the children of Israel. Why? To establish the leadership of these men from Moses also to share the burden with these 70 elders. And not only that, what else does God do? Verses 31 to 33. And there went forth a wind from the Lord and brought quails from the sea and let them fall by the camp as it were a day's journey on this side and as it were a day's journey on the other side round about the camp and as it were two cubits high upon the face of the earth. And the people stood all that day and all that night and all the next day. And they gathered the quails. He that gathered least gathered ten homers. And they spread them all abroad for themselves round about the camp. And while the flesh was yet between their teeth, ere it was chewed, the wrath of the Lord was kindled against the people. And the Lord smote the people with a very great plague. God would eventually send the meat, but he would punish them for their complaining. Even while the meat was between their teeth, he would punish them. It was not reasonable for them to complain about the food. But you know, I want to come back to the 70 elders really quickly. You know, where else have we seen the 70 elders? Well, if we go back to Exodus 24 and verse 1, it says here, And he said unto Moses, Come up unto the Lord, thou and Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and seventy elders of Israel, and worship ye afar off. You know, this seems to indicate that the seventy elders, or at least there were seventy elders already before this situation came to fruition after they left Mount Sinai. We don't know if it's the same group or not, but most likely it wasn't. But it's important to note here that in Exodus, we have some sort of hierarchy. Do you see it? There was Moses, whom God was speaking to, and then Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and they were the priests with Aaron, of course, and we saw last time that Nadab and Abihu were, were destroyed, they were killed, right? And then we saw the 70 elders. So look, if this is the same group, the 70 elders were part of leadership, but there was a clear hierarchy. They were third or fourth in the leadership position. However, I want you to notice this, okay? And, and I'm not trying to talk about whether they're the same or not. Most likely they aren't. It's a different group of people. Why a different group? I don't know. But obviously he had 70 elders already and it wasn't enough. And so God gave another 70. But what I want you to notice this. God took the spirit of Moses and he placed it upon the 70 elders and they began to prophesy. And when the people stand back and they see what is happening, what is taking place in their minds? What are they beginning to think? It's almost as if the 70 elders are getting a promotion. They are now being elevated above Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu. Do you see that? It seems like they're almost put on equal authority with Moses himself. 
We never read anywhere where Aaron or Nadab and Abihu received the spirit that was from, from, from God on Moses and it was given to them. We never read that at all. And how this was so different, even when Jethro came and recommended Moses to put other people in charge to be judges over a thousands or hundreds or fifties or tens. You know, that was just a recommendation from Jethro. It wasn't an order or system of government. And also Moses wasn't complaining. And moreover, the spirit of Moses was not placed on those leaders either. There was already some sort of organization, but yet somehow in the complaining of Moses, he said it's not good enough. God, give me more leaders. I can't bear it alone. Otherwise, kill me. And yet he wasn't alone. He at least had his brother Aaron, right? But yet the children of Israel would stand back and they would see God putting the spirit of Moses from him onto other people and they were being elevated in that position. Look, it was clear that Moses was still in charge, but the line between the 70 elders and Aaron were a bit more blurred. Do you see that? It's almost as if they're on the same level. The spirit that is on Moses is also on me. We must be equals. We must be peers. And from this would result some great evils in the future for Moses and from Aaron, for Aaron. From this there would arise an insurrection in the future about leadership. Look at this. Numbers 16, verses 1 to 3. Now Korah, the son of Ezah, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi, and Dathan, and Abiram, and the sons of Eliab, and On, the son of Peleth, the sons of Reuben, took men. And they rose up before Moses with certain of the children of Israel, 250 princes of the assembly, famous in the congregation, men of renown. And they gathered themselves together against Moses and Aaron. You know, friends, we see here certainly leadership was involved when they came together themselves against Moses and Aaron. Certainly, it was from some sort of leadership perspective that they were able to come and attack the authority of Moses and Aaron. We'll study this in the future. In a momentary lapse of his faith and his trust in God to provide and to sustain, Moses would reap the results of his own request in time to come. And you know, friends, we got to be so careful when we complain. But we must be even more careful what we say and the decisions that we make in time of discouragement and in times of anger. God granted him his request, which was not in his plan to do from the beginning. And Moses would be left to suffer the consequences of his own decision in due time. And maybe you're wondering, why didn't God give Moses another chance? I mean, the children of Israel complained so much, right? Why didn't God just stand back and say, Moses, trust me, you're able to bear this if I'm with you. You don't have anything to worry about. Why did he allow this to happen? Because Moses had seen so much. He had seen the moving of God so much. He himself had been sustained by God himself. 40 days without food or water when he was on Mount Sinai. Don't you think that God could do much more through him? Absolutely, he could. But he forgot. And when he let go, his sin was greater. The sin of complaining that he had was greater. And he he went to even greater degree. Well, I wouldn't say greater degree. He asked to die, right? The children of Israel had asked to die before as well. But Moses, 
because he had tasted of God's goodness so much, he had been firsthand experienced so much of, of God in his life that his sin was much greater. And it wasn't so much sin. His doubt re- reflected become much greater. And you know, friends, I, I want to remind you today that no matter what situation that you're going through, do not forget that God will help you. He'll sustain you. He'll give you strength for every situation. If he brought you to this point, he will carry you through. Faithful is he he that called you, who also will help you to do it. God, he is the only person that we need. He will give us the wisdom. He give us the strength. Let Let us not think that the successes that we experience are all dependent upon us that it leads us to this point that we even begin to complain and indulge in complaining and tell God, oh, if you're not going to do this for me, then you'd rather, please, just kill me then. Almost as if Moses was threatening God. And maybe Moses was trying to challenge God to call a bluff. Say, oh, 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 okay, okay, Moses, I'll help you, I'll help you. No, no, no. God does not need us. He does not need us. We need God, friends. And let us make sure that we always continue to lean upon his almighty arm. No matter what wisdom you think you have, no matter what talent you think you have, no matter what sort of money you think you have earned because of the money, uh, the strength and the time that you've put in, don't remember that God, he's the giver of all of it. Every good and perfect gift is from above. Let us always remember that all the sufficiency and all the power is from God, then we might always be careful to remain humble. Then we might always be careful to remain grateful and give praises to the Lord. If you've not shared a praise yet, please do. We'd love to hear from all of you. And may God bless each of you. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer in closing, shall we? Let's pray. Father in heaven, I want to thank you for reminding us today that you are more than able to help us, to sustain us, and even to work through us. And Lord, may you please help us remember that when you do work through us, that even then it's nothing to do with us. All the glory goes back to you, Father. May you please strengthen our faith today. May you please remind us about all your goodness that you have performed in our hearts and our lives today. And when we turn back, Help us to turn around and remember to give you all the praise and all the glory. So guide us to that end, O Lord. Lead us, Father. Help us if we always seem to indulge in the spirit of complaining. And even yet, if we're not aware of it, open our eyes that we might see that this is a great and serious sin in your sight. Lead us, O Lord, higher and still higher towards our heavenly home further away from the the sins of this world. Help us, O Lord, today to rest in you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. God bless you, friends. Thank you for joining us this evening. May God bless all of you and give you a wonderful night. And until we meet again, may God be with you. Goodbye for now. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more.
If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.